Welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. Now, in this episode, we'll be continuing this read-through of, of this collected, selected works of Thomas Jefferson put together by the Library of America. We've already looked at a summary view of the rights of British America, notes on the state of Virginia, and his unpublished autobiography. And now we're going to jump into a section titled Public Papers. So these are, um, um, it's a mix of things. These are official policy suggestions. They're bills he introduced to the Virginia legislature, a draft constitution for Virginia. Uh, the Kentucky resolutions we'll look at in a future episode. So it's a variety of things. The, the documents in this episode cover the years 1775 to, to 1790. So really the years of, of the American Revolution and the, up to his, um, up to his appointment as Secretary of State um, for um, the Washington administration. So mostly these are dealing with his thoughts about the, the government of, of Virginia. And most of these were written before the Constitution. I think all but two of them were written before the writing and ratification of the Constitution. So he's really thinking about, you know, power at the state level. And of course, that's a big part of Jefferson's whole thing is, is empowering local governments over over central the central federal government um and really you know but a lot of these were written at a time when the constitution wasn't even being envisioned yet it was still you know you just had the articles of confederation government and you know it was really up to states to kind of experiment uh with with uh independence you know and laws and and some of these are kind of interesting to to look at so let's just jump into them the first of these is the resolutions of congress on lord north conciliatory proposal so the original um, conciliatory proposal in 1775 was made by was issued by parliament and it basically said that you know the colonies would have self-government but they'd have to contribute in some degree to to defense so there's you know still that kind of you know proviso that that money would have to come from the colonies right to, to fund for for defense or or for their their place in the empire of course by this point most of the americans have moved beyond negotiating on these terms and and have had embraced uh you know more radical positions right this is still before tom Paine, though it's still before common sense um but as we've seen when we looked at uh, the summary of the rights of british america jefferson was already making arguments for the the absolute rights of the colonists overall trade taxation legislation judicial matters at home basically suggesting that parliament had no right to legislate at all for for the colonies in any way and now this the the response to this conciliatory resolution was issued by the continental congress um it was written by not just thomas jefferson apparently i'm looking at the wikipedia it was written by ben franklin thomas jefferson john adams and richard henry lee uh, in a committee. Um, so they rejected the conciliatory proposal, and this is the document um, detailing that. Now, by and large, this is a restatement of the principles in the summary of the rights of British America, basically arguing that that the colonies don't have any legal obligation to provide any tax revenue to to the British to British Parliament. Quote, we conceive that the British Parliament has no right to intermeddle with our provisions 
for the support of civil government or administration of justice. The provisions we have made are such as to please ourselves and are agreeable to our own circumstances. They answer the substantial purpose of government and justice and other purposes, then that should not be answered. We do not mean that our people sh shall be burdened with oppressive taxes to provide sinecures for the idle or the wicked under colors of providing for a civil list. So that's it. It's, it's basically the same philosophy behind the summary of the rights of British America. So there's not too much to say about it. And I'm not even sure how much of this Jefferson actually directly penned. Um, I'm, I'm guessing quite a bit of it if it's in this collection, but yeah, I didn't really bother to look, out, look it up. I, I want to jump to something more interesting, and that is um, a document he wrote in June 1776, which was Jefferson's proposed constitution for, for the state of, of Virginia. Now, the first Virginia Constitution was was ratified in 1776. It was not done with in dialogue with this particular um, document, which was not ratified, was not passed, wasn't even really incorporated into the into the document in any way. So it's just Jefferson's kind of statement of what his his thoughts about what a government would be. Um, now it starts out with a, basically a re repetition of, of the things you're going to say in the Declaration of Independence. Now, the date for this, June 1776, you know, tells us that this was being worked out even before the Declaration of Independence was established. So, so state governments were already beginning to be established um, by by different state legislatures and things before before the Declaration of Independence was, was passed. And that's what, um, you know, when Jefferson talked in the summary of the rights of British America about, you know, our own legislative institutions. You know, there were things on the ground that that could be that governments could be built from. Um, now, this one particularly starts with a lot of the same grievances that are going to be listed in the in the Declaration of, of Independence. In fact, that's how it starts. Um, and some of these are, are particularly interesting, like uh, for one quote, by promoting our Negroes to rise in arms against us, those very Negroes, whom he has from time to time by an inhuman use of his negative, he had refused permission to exclude by law. By endeavoring to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rules and warfare is an indistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions of existence. So, um, but a lot of these are similar to what you see in the Declaration of Independence and that kind of the long list of grievances part of it. So that's the first part of this. And then it just... Um, <clears throat> Starts with the legislature, so the same way the U.S. Constitution begins with the legislature, so did a lot of the state constitutions. And um, his idea was to have annual elections for the main legislative body, and then to have a Senate that was elected by the House of Representatives. Uh, he had very low property requirements for voting and and for holding office. They were the same, and it was essentially you had to have one fourth of an acre of land in order to. To vote, you had to pay some taxes for two years. Um, that would qualify you for for voting and for and for running office. I don't know what that would have, how close that to full democracy, at least uh, full white male democracy, that that would have um, led to. Uh, I have to look up those those stats if they're available on on property ownership. But it does seem to be fairly generous compared to some other. Um, constitutions that were established after during the American Revolution. He also wrote into the Constitution that the General Assembly should have no power to pass any law inflicting death for any crime, excepting murder, 
and such those offenses in the military service which they shall think punishment by death absolutely necessary. Um, now, as we saw in the previous episodes, you know, Jefferson was thinking a lot about capital punishment. He, he read Cesare Beccaria's book on, on punishment, and we're going to see in a little bit that he, he actually had a whole you know, league proposal for a, for a legal reform in Virginia that would have done away with the death penalty for, for most crimes. Here he wanted to write it actually into the Constitution. Now, as for the executive branch, you know, essentially Article 2 of this, uh, it doesn't even have a governor. It just has someone called an administrator who's appointed annually by the House of Representatives. And and that's it. He doesn't have really any, not, not that many powers. He, it is said he has the powers that the king has, but he can't. He doesn't have a veto. He wasn't given a veto over the legislature. And he shall not, he cannot dissolve um, either House of the Assembly. He can't declare war. He can't issue marks, letters of marks. Um, so, yeah, a long list of things he can't do. I think most of this is a list of things he can't do. These powers are all given to the legislature in, instead. And then there's other high officials in the executive branch are actually listed here. So unlike the U.S. Constitution, which kind of left that up in the air, you know, what kind of officials would be created? You know, the cabinets was a creation of the Washington administration. They're not really listed in the Constitution. Here, Jefferson does list what he thinks the delegates, the treasurers, the attorney generals, and these, these positions would be. And then we get to uh, a judiciary as well. It's pretty boring stuff, but uh, he does uh, ins insist on people having the right to a jury trial. The rest of the Constitution consists of a Bill of Rights. Um, so, one interesting, the most interesting one here, I mean, it's a fairly standard Bill of Rights. Um, you'd have to compare it to all the other state constitutions, but he does um, say there will not be any importation of slaves. So he's going to end the slave trade. He doesn't, he doesn't end slavery, but he ends the slave trade. Uh, freedom of religion, of course. Uh, this is interesting for Second Amendment debates. No freeman shall be debarred the use of arms within his own lands. And the, within his own lands is in brackets, which I think in this version of the, of the document meant it's kind of an interpretation of his handwriting or something. So I don't know if it's up in the air, but the use of arms within his own lands is, is granted, but not use of arms outside of that, like maybe in a town or... Or on someone else's land so it's not a general right to bear arms it's limited to to land so this doesn't seem to point to the idea of a standing militia it is an individual right as established here freedom of speech uh things like that um there's no salary for officials unless granted by legislature no basic um salary uh but i want to get to what i think is the most interesting right established here and that is i'll just read it for you quote every person of full age neither owning nor having owned 50 acres of land shall be entitled to an appropriation of 50 acres or to so much as shall make up what he owns or has owned 50 acres in full and absolute dominion and no other person shall be capable of taking an appropriation lands heretofore hold into the crown and fee simple and there's he have those hereafter to be appropriated shall be holden in full and absolute dominion of no superior what, whatever. Um, so basically, you get land grants. You get when you reach full age, you get fifty acres of of land from from the state. 
So kind of a basic income scheme almost. So um, that's that's the Constitution. A very, really interesting document. It doesn't come to pass, but I think it can be studied alongside the other state constitutions and the other efforts to write state constitutions to really see what ideas are being bandied around. Um, you know, it's a lot of the basics, like putting the legislature first, the bicameral legislature, you know, the question of do governors or later presidents have veto powers, checks and balances, division of, of powers, all these things are pretty pretty standard we we know all about them um but there's some nice little tidbits in here too that that i find interesting i think that make this a distinctive text um next we have the 1777 a bill for establishing religious freedom now we're getting to the different drafts of legislation that jefferson produced during his career in the virginia state legislature i think it's important to read it's it's pretty short it's only two pages but it does establish both sides of of religious liberty as it would develop in the United States. And that is the establishment part of it. There'll be no government establishment, established religion, and there'll be no prohibition on practicing faith. Now, the philosophy behind this, I think, is maybe the most powerful part. It's, it's something you don't have in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, where the, the right is just listed. Jefferson here goes into a whole discussion in the first section one of this about why this is important. And it really comes down to the problem of legislate of, of forcing people to support things that they don't agree with through through taxes or, or through you know participation in, in normal the normal acts of being a citizen and but even more so the idea of government and like trying to control people's minds or tell people what to believe is what really bothered him um, quote to, that to suffer the civil magistrate to intrude his powers into the field of opinion and to restrain the profession or propagation of principles or supposition of their ill tendency is a dangerous fallacy which at once destroys all religious liberty because he is being of course judge of that tenden tendency which will make his opinion the rule of judgment and approve or condemn the sentiments of others only as they shall square with or differ from his own end quote now 20th century history of course uh you know tells a different story about uh government attitudes towards changing people's minds and and frankly 21st century history um you know i think jefferson's a little skeptical about how possible it is to actually have government affect people's minds he, he i think he he didn't know how powerful states would become in, in the modern era. But uh, nonetheless, it's a very, very important document in American history and, and it should be looked at. Uh, the next was, was 1778, which was a bill for proportioning crimes and punishments. Uh, this, I think, did pass. Well, the, the religious freedom did pass. But this bill, I, I think, also passed. Let me double check. So uh, I just looked it up. I'm, I'm wrong. This, this did not pass. Um, but I mean, the heart of it is, is ending capital punishment for, for, for nonviolent crimes. Uh, he does make a general principle here about the nature of, of criminal justice. What it should be after quote, um, where is it? Reformation of offenders is not affected at all by capital punishments, which exterminate instead of reforming and should it be the last melancholy recourse against those whose existence is become inconsistent with the safety of their fellow citizens, which also weakens the state by cutting off so many who, if reformed, might be restored to sound members of society. 
who even under a course of correction might be rendered useful in various labors for the public and would be living and long-continued spectacles deter others from committing the like offenses, end quote. And th now that said, there's still a lot of, a lot of capital crimes here. And uh, most of this document is actually very detailed legal footnotes. And uh, you know, if you ever read a legal document, you know how footnotes are for that. Um, and, and Jefferson certainly was capable of, of, of documenting his argument in this way. Um, but basically treason uh, is established as a capital crime, as is, is various forms of murder. Now, he doesn't cold, totally get rid of the eye for the eye kind of mentality. For instance, Section 5 says, whoever commits murder by poisoning shall suffer death by poisoning. Right. There's um, some interesting things here about dueling as well. So if you kill someone in a duel, you'll be hung. But while in most of the cases, if you murder someone, your property is divided up between the Commonwealth and, and the victim. In the case of dueling, it's all given to the Commonwealth. So the, I guess the, the idea is the victim is as much to blame for the duel as the, as the one who won it, I, I guess is the way the thinking is here. So they wouldn't be considered truly victims. It's not until we get to manslaughter that we see capital punishment phased out. But so murder, treason, they're still uh, capital crimes. Um, actually, with manslaughter, the second offense is deemed murder. So if you manslaughter, if you commit manslaughter twice, uh, then the law for murder takes place. And then, you know, you read through the rest of the laws and it's, it's pretty much a, a list for different cr crimes. Section 14, whoever shall be guilty of rape polygamy sodomy with man or women shall be punished if a man by castration a woman by boring through the cartilage of her nose a hole of one half inch in diameter diameter at the least so it's still pretty barbaric it's not the it's not the most generous uh legal code it's of course before the modern prison has been established um but uh Oh, this is this is interesting. This is the very last provision. You know, Jefferson was obsessed with this idea of of ending of emancipating the slaves and then exporting them. Right. The fact that he couldn't figure out a way to do this meant he, you know, he never really fully supported emancipation of slaves. But he nibbled on the edges of, of ending slavery in various ways. And here we have one slaves guilty of any offense punishable in others by labor in the public work shall be transported to such parts of the West Indies, South America or Africa as the governor shall direct there to be continued in slavery. So there's that. A fun document. I enjoyed reading this, even though it was just a list of, of crimes and punishments. So next we have 1778's A Bill for the More General Diffusion of Knowledge. This was a bill that also did not pass. Um, in fact, I ended up going to Monticello.org, which, which gives the history of these, gives a little bit more background than the Library of America edition does. Quote, the bill was presented by the House of Delegates in 78 and 80, but was not passed. James Madison presented the bill several more times to the state legislature while Jefferson was serving in Paris as minister. A much revived version was finally passed into law in 1796 as an act to establish public schools. Um, so that's what this does. It, it does establish universal primary education for, for all people. Um, mostly, it's, it's probably not that important to talk about most of the provisions of this, although it is a very long law. A lot of it has to do with how the different school districts will be arranged, who's going to run them, pay for teachers, who's going to support the teacher's tuition. Um, basically, every kid in Virginia would get three years tuition-free 
here, which I guess in their mind was enough to get the basic reading, writing, arithmetic skills um, down. Um, this is what section six of the law says, at, or the bill, whenever this wasn't made law. Quote, at every one of these schools shall be taught reading, writing, and common arithmetic, and the books which shall be used therein for instructing the children to read shall be such as will at the same time make them acquainted with Grecian, Roman, American, and English history. At these schools, all the free children, male and female residents within the respective hundred, will be entitled to receive tuition gratis for a term of three years, and as much longer at their private expense as their parents, guardians, or friends shall think proper. So anything beyond, I guess, three years, third grade, you'd have to pay for. But it did establish these schools. So of course, it was a foundation, right? You know, later on, you know, it was something to build off of. Not past, but eventually it would take till till 1790s for a general law providing for public education to be passed in Virginia. Then we have the final of these bills, uh, at least apparently Jefferson issued a lot of laws, you know, as, as a legislature, but only we got these four or five here in this collection. The last is a bill declaring who shall be deemed citizens of this commonwealth. 1779, it was, it was written. Um, so basically establishing citizenship. It establishes birthright citizenship, essentially, uh, in the state of Virginia, not, not nationally. And... Um, or people who have resided before, you know, in the two years prior to residing in Virginia, two years prior to it. So if you just came a year before this was passed, I guess you don't get to be a citizen. So that's it. It's just for free whites, though. It doesn't doesn't mention anything about slaves, obviously, who are not uh, considered citizens. So that does it for the laws. It gives us a sense of of, of Jefferson's legislative efforts and, and speak to some of his, some of his values. Um, the next document we have was, was written in 1784, and it's called A Report on Government for Western Territory. This is, um, it's only three pages. I, I think this is a, like the, kind of the, the first draft of the Northwest Ordinances. It has a lot of the characteristics of that. The idea that the Western territories, the Western lands, of course, the context for this, if you forgot your American history, was the British when they signed the Treaty of Paris, they gave everything, you know, west of the Appalachians to the Mississippi River to the United States. Um, and then the question is, well, we had the 13, and then I think Vermont joined up, right? So we had the, these 14 states. Um, is these, what is this land in the West going to be? Is it going to be future states or is it going to be territories? Is it going to be colonies of these states? It wasn't really clear. And what the Northwest Ordinance and this document both agree on is that they will be states at some point in the future. They'll be divided up into territories by the government and then, you know, when a certain number of people live there. And the, the, the level of population that Jefferson uses here is interesting. He says, as long as you were as populated as the least populated of the original 13 colonies, you have enough people to declare yourself a state, which I think is really clever use. I, I think eventually the Northwest Ordinance is going to establish a certain bar, but... Um, you know, it's it's fair that way, right? Um, the way he did it. And then they could have, you know, they write their constitution and, and apply for membership just as, you know, the would be established in the Northwest Ordinance. Um, now, there is provisions here about slavery. Quote, that their respective government shall be in Republican forms and shall admit no person to be a citizen who holds any hereditary title. You know, that, that's... You know, stuff we've seen before 
but he, he adds on to that that after the year 1800 of the christian era there shall be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in any of the said states otherwise that in punishment for crimes whereas the party shall have been duly convicted to have been personally guilty end quote um obviously this language is almost word for word what the 13th amendment would have and i don't know if that language if he invented that language the the otherwise in punishment for crimes um, whereas the party's been duly convicted that but that's word for word of the 13th amendment as i recall um but he does say after 1800 no slaves in these new states he doesn't say anything about the old states but um again jefferson trying to bite at the edges of, of emancipation rather than just taking the bull by the horn So, and then much of this is just a list of, of the different territories he's suggesting. And, and some of these are kind of interesting. So he's got um, Sylvania, which would be northwest of the 54th degree, um, extending to the Lake of the Woods. I don't even know what some of these are. He's got a, one called Michigan, or Michigania, actually it's called. Aspeninsia, Metrotamia. So someone should make a map of this, right? And then we can see what these states would have would have been obviously that's not what what happened the, the process of, of creating these territorial boundaries was very complex and and had its own own history but the fact that jefferson's thinking what these states might be in the future and their sizes is, is kind of fascinating to me so that's it um the next document is observations on a whale fishery 1788 um this is i don't know i thought i'd be more interested in this when i when i picked it up um, basically, it's a survey of the different countries involved in whaling and comparing them. And we find out that the United States is, is one of, was one of the major whaling centers already. I mean, even in 1788, it didn't have to really develop it. It was already one of the major ones. But really what Jefferson's interested in here is exports and exports to who. So he's kind of already fighting with, with Hamilton in a way, like and fighting with those people who want to continue close relations with, with Great Britain. Because he's saying, why don't we trade more with France? And one way you can do that is with kind of this whale oil industry. So he writes a lot about how the British are trying to sell whale oil in France and how the French don't really have a whaling industry and how this could be really a door for the United States to, to develop closer relations, commercial relationships with France. So here's what Jefferson writes. After this review of the whale fishery as a political institution, a few considerations shall be added on its produce as a basis of commercial exchange between France and the United States. The discussions it has undergone on formal occasions in this point of view leave little new to be now urged. And then he goes into some detail about uh, how, well, how big this market could be. But um, so if you go to this document thinking it's just going to be a survey, a scientific survey of, of the whale fisheries, you're going to get a little bit of that. But I think the heart of this is actually an, a early claim to say let's have closer relationships with france france was our ally helped us achieve independence i think it's even stated here that france helped achieve our independence yet we've kind of not developed cultivated a relationship with them and one way to do that is with the whale oil industry which the united states is already quite um uh, you know prosperous at, you know in within then the final document i'm going to look at today was was actually uh, written in 1790 by Jefferson as Secretary of State to uh, under the demand of Congress. Congress asked for a report on establishing weights and measures. And I think, you know, to, to look at other countries and, you know, come up with some system for weights and measures in the U.S. 
And that's his report, and it's quite detailed and, and, and fairly boring, actually. Um, you know, a lot of it is things like, quote, the gill, four of which make a pint, two pints make a quart, two quarts of pottle, two pottles a gallon, two gallons a peck, a dry measure, eight gallons make a measure called a firkin in liquid substances, a bushel dry. Two firkins or bushels make a measure called a runtlet or a kinderkin liquid or and a strike dry. Two kinderkins or strikes make a measure called a barrel liquid or a comb dry, this last being an ancient and little used. End quote. Yeah, little ancient and little used. You sure, Jefferson? Uh, these things, a lot of these terms I've never heard before, and certainly they they make the metric system very attractive. So it's a little fun to read through, I guess, to to see some of these different measures used. Um, the document begins actually with a large, long apology about why it took him so long to write this document, because apparently he got sick and he was in France and he had other issues, but he. He actually seemed to have submitted too late for consideration in one Congress and then kind of gets bumped to the next Congress or probably would be. Um, but, you know, he, he shows off uh, his scientific knowledge here, I think, and, and maybe that's one reason to look at it. Uh, he does establish, though, that the dollar uh, based on a decimal system should be the, the currency of the United States, which is, of course, how it ended up. So, um, that's it. Those are the, the documents I want to look at in this, this episode. It covers about 100 pages of, of text. In the next episode, I will look at uh, the documents from 1791 to, to 1825, which will include um, the Kentucky Resolution, his opinion on the National Bank, um, and a couple other important documents. Oh, yeah, the, the, his his the minutes from his one of his meetings at the university or his minutes from meetings on the board of visitors of the university of Virginia. So those are the highlights in the next ep episode, but there's a few other interesting documents that, that we'll look at. So for now, let me know what you think about these, uh, especially I'm really interested in these drafts of legislation that Jefferson produced during his time as a legislature for Virginia. And we think of him so much as the president or the writer of the Declaration of Independence, but often we don't think of Jefferson as someone writing laws and actually in this revolutionary environment trying to work out what this new society, revolutionary society could be. And I think there's a lot, lot, to, lot of richness that could be pulled out of this. I'd actually would like to maybe consider look at more of Jefferson's law. That was the part that most interested me in this section. I also was fascinated by his Constitution for Virginia, both in it how much it was like other constitutions at the time, but also in some of its distinctive characteristics that, that make it stand out. Um, but anyways, let me know what you think. If you read any of these documents, let me know what you think. Uh, if you have the Library of America version, I'll be reading uh, 416 through um, like 480 or so until the end of the section on public papers uh, for the next episode. Um, and and that'll be it. So leave your comments below or send me an email at 100pagescast at gmail.com. Thanks as always for listening and I will see you next time. Bay.